Welcome to the Truth For Today podcast with your host, Joseph Franta, international minister, speaker, and Bible school instructor. Stay tuned for today's episode. Welcome to Truth For Today. I am Joseph Franta of Joseph Franta Ministries, and we're going through the book of Ephesians, one of the Apostle Paul's crown jewels, one of many that he wrote in the New Testament. He wrote 13 books. And we have been going through line by line, and we've landed on chapter 5, and uh, I'm going to just begin there today. It's a very exciting chapter. And then we just have chapter 5 and 6 left, and I hope you've been following us. And if you have your Bible... Please open your Bibles to Ephesians 5, chapter 5, verse 1, and we'll begin. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Well, there's a lot here. Another translation says, be followers of God, but I love this one in the New American Standard Bible. Be imitators of God. And uh, Paul said in another... Another book, he said, follow me as I follow Christ or imitate me as I imitate Christ. You know, we have the privilege of relationship with Jesus Christ. And it doesn't stop there. We have the privilege of being conformed to the image of his son. It says in the book of Romans chapter eight, we've been predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, Jesus Christ. So here, the bar is set that we can be like Jesus. A lot of people think, oh, that's just impossible, but it's only impossible if you think it is. Because you have the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwelling on the inside of you. That should comfort you and inspire you that his Holy Spirit who blasted Jesus out of the grave and brought him back to life, that same powerful Holy Spirit is living in you. And so we're going to go on here. Verse 2. And walk in love. Well, that's being an imitator of God because God is love. So every time we are operating in love, we're being an imitator of God, following God. Just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. The reason Christ was a fragrant aroma is because he was bringing, through his death, burial, and crucifixion, well, his death, crucifixion, and burial, and resurrection, he was bringing many sons to glory, the Bible says. Well, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're a child of God, you're a son, a full-fledged son of God. And 
it says in the book of Hebrews that he's bringing many sons to glory. Wow. That's pretty powerful. So he's also, it says in Romans 8, whom he predestined, these he also called, and whom he called, these he also justified, and whom he justified, these he also glorified. You say, well, I don't feel too glorified. Well, if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit has come to live in you, and you're a temple of God, and on the inside of you, you have glory. That's the manifested presence of God. Jesus said, the glory, Father, which you have given to me, I have given to them. In John chapter 17. What was that glory? It was none other than the Spirit of glory, the Holy Spirit. Now, the Lord is the Lord of glory. God the Father is the Father of glory. And the Spirit of God is the Spirit of glory. That's a lot of glory. So we serve a glorious God. And so we're going to go on here. We talked about that in Ephesians 1 and a little bit in 3. But now it's going to talk about a list of uh, sinful behavior. But there is always a solution for that in Christ. He says, but immorality or any impurity or greed must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. And there must be no filthiness and silly talk or coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. Why? Because we're constantly living in the presence of God if we're a Christian. We're a temple of God, and the Spirit of God lives in us. Christ in us, the hope of glory. So we're not to participate in the world's ways, which is proper among saints. Verse 4, and there must be no filthiness and silly talk or coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks, always having a grateful heart and attitude of gratitude, for this you know with certainty that no immoral, and that word there is uh, talking about sexual immorality. For this you know with certainty that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. So if you want to ever receive your inheritance as a child of God, you have to live a godly life. Doesn't mean perfect, but it means you have to live a godly life. You have to be striving for godliness, holiness, and righteousness. Verse 5 For this you know with certainty that no immoral or impure person or covetous man which is an idolater, has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Your inheritance is being cut off from you if you're a Christian living in sin. Verse 6, let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Now, 
A believer is never called a son of disobedience in the Bible. A believer may be backslidden. A believer may be involved with sin. But he's never called a son of disobedience. Those people are only the people that are totally separated from Christ by unbelief, refusal to accept Jesus, uh, because our salvation is really secure in Jesus. I know some people don't believe that, but I do. And uh, I want to read you this. I'll go back to Ephesians 2, verse 1. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. This is talking to believers, that they were dead. They're not now dead. They were dead. Before they accepted Christ, we were dead in our trespasses and sins, verse 1, verse 2, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, that's Satan, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. These are unsaved people, unregenerate people, people who are not born again. They're still rebels doing their own thing, operated in sin and rebellion and disobedience to God. They don't have to stay that way, though. Praise God. Things can change for them, so keep praying for them, and they will change. We were all in that category at one time before we came to Christ. So there's hope for everybody as long as they're breathing. Among them, verse 3, Ephesians chapter 2, among them we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging in the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. This is who we were before Christ. But God, oh, I love that little phrase, but God. He makes all the difference. But God being rich in mercy, he's never short on mercy. Because of his great love with which he loved us, his love is everlasting, the Bible says. The Bible, uh, God <clears throat> is speaking in Jeremiah chapter 33, and says, I've loved you with an everlasting love. No end to God's love. No end to his mercy, except you totally reject it your whole life and die that way. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, that's being unregenerate, unsaved, Christ made us alive together, or God made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him out of that cesspool of sin and rebellion, raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So where we once were ruled by sin, guilt and shame and circumstances and the domain of darkness, we now have been raised up above it all and seated in heavenly places with Christ. We found our true identity, which is in Christ Jesus, and now we take our seat of authority with him in heavenly places 
our seat of rulership. You know, there's a Psalm, Psalm 110, where it says to God's people, rule in the midst of your enemies. Rule in the midst of your enemies. Does that sound like you're getting trampled down? That you're being used as a doormat? That you are helpless? No. Sounds to me that God has restored dominion to man through redemption in Christ. The dominion that man once enjoyed before he fell in the garden. God has restored dominion, self-respect, dignity to the human race, to all that received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and he's raised us up with him out of the cesspool of sin, guilt, shame, condemnation, failure, and he seated us in heavenly places with Christ Jesus far above all rule and authority and power and dominion in every name that is named. Doesn't sound like the church is to be a weak church, does it? Doesn't sound like the church is to be an inept, powerless company of people, does it? Sounds to me that the church have been given delegated authority by Jesus Christ through being raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places that we've <clears throat> been given delegated authority in our dominion that we lost through sin and disobedience and rebellion has been restored. Oh, this is a great truth that everyone needs to understand. Because God's called the church to be supernatural. He's called the church to operate in the life of Christ, which is supernatural. He's called the church to operate in the authority of God, the delegated authority of Jesus Christ, which is supernatural. He's called us to Enjoy a rich inheritance. Talks about that in Ephesians 1. So it doesn't sound like the church is to live in poverty, but it sounds to me like the church is to live in prosperity and enjoy this life to the full. Oh, people. We have lived way below our privileges in Christ. We have thought, uh, we've thought of ourselves as beggars, sinners. You know, I hear people that are saved say, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. No, if you're saved, you're not a sinner anymore. Because Jesus, it says, himself bore our sins in his own body, on the cross, that we being dead to sin should live to righteousness, which is taking on his life, putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. 
died of sin and lived to righteousness, for by his stripes, the stripes on his back, the welts on his back, you were healed and restored to a life of health, wisdom, and wealth. God loves us that he would never leave us in our sin and shame and to be a doormat for the devil and the powers of darkness. No, he, he came. He intersected our lives through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He interceded for us while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us so that we wouldn't have to suffer the penalties of sin, the death of sin, the death throes of sin. But we could be free from the clutches of the power of sin that drags us down into a quagmire of defeat and failure. The Christian has the life, the higher life. And so we need to understand we're not mere natural men anymore. We're not just carnal human beings anymore because we've been infused <clears throat> with the life of God from on high. His name is the Holy Spirit. And he's infused us with the life of God, the divine life, the Zoe life of God in the Greek. Oh, wow. This is happiness. This is fulfillment. This is victory. In everything that we do, in everything that we pursue, in every undertaking, we have victory through the life of Jesus Christ, through our, through our identity, identification with Christ, through our new identity as children of God, blood-washed, saints, spirit-filled people, new creations. The old things are passed away. Every sin, every event that pulled us down, crushed us, old things have passed away. Behold, new things, or all things, have become new. Wow. We have a new state. We have a new status. We even have a new name. We're called the sons of God, the children of God. Where once we were not the children of God, now we are the children of God. We're not trying to be something. We've been made something. We've been made the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. We've been created 
in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Every day you can walk in the good works that God has prepared for you as you learn to be led by the Spirit of God. Romans 8, 14, one of my favorite verses. All those who are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. And then it goes on and says, for you have not been given a spirit of fear again, or you have not been given a spirit of fear, but a spirit of adoption as sons, by which we cry out, Abba, Abba, Father. The word Abba in Hebrew is Daddy, Daddy God. God has become our Father, but He's not an austere Father who, you know, He's way up here and we're way down here. No, He's not that kind of Father. He's an Abba Father, He's a Daddy. You can jump on his lap. You can hold his hand. You can walk with him. And life will be grand. He's a good God. A loving father. A caring father. A compassionate father. And Jesus is a healing Jesus. A saving Jesus a delivering Jesus, a prospering Jesus. In fact, the Bible says he's the door. The door to every opportunity. First of all, he's the door to salvation and eternal life. And then after that, he becomes the door of opportunity so that you don't have to live in poverty and lack. You can live in more than enough. I tell you, I get just excited about talking to my talking about my father, who loves me, who loves you with an everlasting love, undying love, unyielding love, a love that never stops caring and producing life and strength and hope, and faith in your heart. This is our Father. This is our God who has saved us. He is with us even unto death. And then on the other side of this life, we'll live with him forever. Oh, I tell you, it's exciting. I hope you're listening to this today. Let's go back to Ephesians chapter 5. And if you're not listening to it, you can pick it up on our website, josephfrantaministriesplural.org, and just hit the podcast, and this podcast will be there, along with all the other ones we've done in the book of Ephesians. Verse 6, let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, all these uh, sins of impurity, uncleanness, bad speech, let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience, not upon the children of God. 
because the Bible is very clear about the children of God. God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we're never going to experience the wrath of God as a child of the King, as a child of God, a son of the living God. You need to know that, that you're forever accepted in the Beloved. Then Paul exhorts them, therefore, do not be partakers with them, with, uh, you know, the sins of all these people that don't know Jesus. For you were formerly darkness. Notice, you were formerly darkness. You're not darkness now. If you have come into the kingdom of God and become a child of God, you're light. The Bible says you're light. But here he's talking about people that have not yet come to Christ. For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So we were formerly darkness, living in darkness and sin and shame, but now we've been transferred to the kingdom of God's beloved Son. We've been transferred to the light, the kingdom of light. We've come out of the kingdom of darkness and we've been transferred into the kingdom of light where Jesus is. So it says, walk as children of light. Oh, this is something you want to learn to do for sure. Because, you know, when you walk in the light as he, Christ, is in the light, you have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus cleanses you of all sin. I tell you what, I'm staying in the light. I'm staying in the light. I had enough of the darkness, the doom, the gloom, the sadness, the hopelessness, the sin, the shame, the guilt, the condemnation, the loss. I had enough loss. Now I have nothing but gain because I'm in the kingdom of light. I'm walking with Jesus, who is the light of the world. And he's shedding light upon my path, upon my way, upon my course every day. The entrance of his word, the Bible, giveth light. It gives understanding to the simple. In other words, to those that are humble, humble enough to receive it. For you were formerly darkness, verse 8, but now, right now, pay attention to the word now, in the New Testament. It's very important. It's a transition from where you were to where you are. But now you are the light, for now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light for the fruit of the light. Oh, so, fruit, so light bears fruit. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness, doing things right, being honest and just, and truth. I love it. Verse 9, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, not some goodness, every good thing, and righteousness, God's own character being displayed in you, the believer, and truth. You walk in the light, you don't get deceived. You walk in the darkness and you get deceived. You need to remember that. 
Verse 10, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. And I'm going to stop there because we're running out of time for this podcast, but I just want to say this. Trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. You know, as you grow up in Christ, as you mature, and you grow up in all aspects into Him, you're going to see and learn by personal education of the Lord what pleases Him. And you know what pleases the Lord? Is faith. We know that. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. So that's one thing that pleases the Lord. And the other thing that pleases the Lord is walking in love. Because faith works by love. If you have just those two qualities working or operating in your life, simple faith, trust in God, and walking in love, loving your neighbor as yourself, you will be a smashing success in life. So let me pray for you. In Jesus' name, I pray a blessing over all those that are listening and hearing this today. I pray that your steps will be ordered by the Lord. I pray that everything your hand touches will be prospered and that you will walk in the light all the days of your life in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening today. We'll see you next time.